Welcome back. What happens if you contract COVID-19? In an ideal world, your diagnosis would be followed not just by medical care, but by an aggressive effort to determine who you might have already infected. Public health workers would ask where you've been and who you saw while you were there, and then they would go and find those people and warn them and then test them. Contact tracers are at work in both St. Louis City and St. Louis County. The question is whether we have enough and whether they're able to pursue cases of the disease aggressively enough. Weeks ago, St. Louis County announced plans to hire 100 contact tracers. It now has 80 people on the job and ultimately plans to hire 100 contact tracers and 50 case investigators. The city of St. Louis has a much smaller crew at this point, and one alderwoman has been raising concerns about that. Alderwoman Kara Spencer chairs the city's Health and Human Services Committee, which has been looking into this. And we should note, uh, Kara Spencer has announced that she's running for mayor in next year's Democratic primary. But she joins us today to talk about the city's response on this specific issue. So, Alderwoman Spencer, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Now, you held a committee hearing focused on this issue two weeks ago. What were some of the main findings that came out of that hearing? That's right. You know, uh, I think the main findings, we had uh, an expert come in, uh, Bert Malone, uh, who came and spoke to us. Uh, he's a member of the Missouri Public Health Association. He also is an expert in uh, contact tracing. And, um, you know, the important thing here is we have to have a robust system in place. You know, you turn on the news at the national, even the local level, and what you hear about is testing and tracing, testing and tracing. These are the two most important things we can be doing right now to protect the public health and safely reopen our economy. Um, and so, you know, the city of St. Louis uh, needs to mirror what cities across the country are doing by ramping up their tracing programs. At our hearing a couple of weeks ago, we also had um, our contact tracing team on. Um, mm-hmm. And I think uh, I want to be clear here that this is not a, you know, attack on our, our health department who's doing a, a fairly good job with the tools they have. But mm-hmm. what we're calling for is to ensure that our team, our health department, has the tools they need to adequately trace uh, the spread of COVID-19 through our community. So at the time that you had this hearing, again, this was two weeks ago, um, how many tracers were on the job? You know, that is a really good question, and one for which there's not a, a very clear answer. We do, at that time, had less than 10 people on staff. Mm -hmm. We had uh, some volunteers from Washington University that were coming on, and we had a couple of state employees lent to us by the state of Missouri. Um, You know, so, you know, anywhere between five and and 20 people uh, working on this issue. But this is hardly enough to really robustly contact trace. You know, up until recently, contact tracing has been fairly easy to do. You ask somebody, who have you been in contact with? Well, they've been staying home. Uh, So they haven't had much contact with anybody. But as we open the economy, this becomes infinitely more complicated, and we have to be prepared to do this. Um, Well, so let's talk about what you think that should be. Uh, You know, the city said they have less than 10, uh, that there may be 5 to 20 in total if you count some of these volunteers and loaned workers. How many people do you think uh, the city needs in order to have the kind of contact tracing program that's going to keep us safe? Well, look, I'm not an expert in contact tracing. I mean, uh, 
so what I'm leaning on here is experts in the field. Um, and so what we did was we took a look at the national experts in this area. And what really floated up to the surface here is the National Association of County and City Health Officials, uh, otherwise known as NACHO or NACHO. Uh, <laughs> and they represent this organization who represents 3,000 local health departments across the country, and they are very clear in their recommendations that in order to adequately trace COVID-19 through a community, you need about 30 per 100,000 people. And for the city of St. Louis, that would look like 90. When you really get into their recommendations, however, um, you know, they take into account factors like infection rate and poverty and other things that would increase that need. And the city of St. Louis, by their recommendations, require about 50 per 100,000, looking at about 150 for a city our size with the infection rate and poverty rate that we have. 150, that's obviously wildly different than the number that we have on the ground doing this. That's absolutely right. And to think, uh, to surmise that the city of St. Louis can somehow achieve what other, you know, with a very, with a smaller crew, what other cities are trying to do with 30 or more per 100,000 population is crazy. So we really need to take action now. Uh, you know, here we are in the, the region uh, where St. Louis City is actually leading our region in infection rate. Our neighbors across, you know, in St. Louis County announced in April that they were going to be hiring more contact tracers. And by April 27th, they had 200 people applied. Here we are in June, five weeks later. And as of Friday, the city is finally considering considering hiring more contact tracers. Uh, it was announced by the administration that we make consider hiring 25 more contact tracers. But this is through a process that would have to go through the Board of Aldermen, all kinds of machinations. And what I'm saying is that we need to act now. We cannot be behind the ball on this. Um, You know, our health department uh, indicated that it takes months to bring a contact tracer up to speed to train them through HIPAA laws and through other qualifications to get them up to speed. Um, and so, you know, we're behind the ball on this, where uh, our surrounding community has already been, as you pointed out, Sarah, hiring additional staff here. We need to do the same here in St. Louis. So, yeah, you mentioned Mayor Lyda Cruson did announce Friday that she's got a plan for the federal relief money that St. Louis City is getting and that she wants to devote part of this package to hire 25 more contract tracers. But it sounds like the timing is a concern for you that this is only now happening on top of the fact that you'd like to see a lot more. Let's talk about the timing issue for a minute. Do you have any sense of why the reason for this delay? Is this did the city just not have money to do this prior to getting this federal money? Look, I can't answer that. That is the question that remains for me. We have, as you know, as the Post Dispatch pointed out this weekend, where the city, uh, where the county, excuse me, is moving ahead. The city is just now taking action, and you know, we have a reactive government uh, that has been, you know. Reacting to issues rather than being on the forefront, being proactive, and getting ourselves prepared to deal with the reopening of the economy. Well, we uh, I should note that uh, Dr. Fred Eccles, who is the acting city health director at this point, he's going to be on the show um, in just a minute, and, and we'll talk to him about this, too. And um, we're also going to talk to um, the woman who's ultimately the, the point person for all this contact tracing. It'll be interesting to get their perspective on this. Um, and we're talking right now to Alderwoman Kara Spencer, who is the chairwoman of the committee uh, that it deals with the health and human services in our city. And we're curious to hear 
hear from you if you're listening to this. Do you think the city is doing enough to trace the contacts of those with COVID-19? What would you like to see them do differently? You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air, or you can email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Alderwoman, one of the things I keep seeing getting mentioned is that the city is saying it has some software that automates a lot of the process and that maybe we don't need as many people as other cities because of that. Is that something that was discussed in your hearing? There is. There was some of that discussed. Look, I mean, we have some software. Uh, it's not particular to contact tracing, um, and there is some utility in that in following people's temperatures and that sort of thing. But contact tracing really is an art in addition to being a science. You have to be able to get the trust of the folks that you're working with. You're asking people to give private sometimes sensitive information to somebody they don't even know or maybe mm-hmm. even see because they're dealing over the phone. So this is a very, very complicated um, um, and, and trained professional um, activity to do. Um, and, you know, I think we do have some tools in place, but to think that St. Louis can somehow magically uh, contact Trace better than anywhere else in the nation with just a fraction um, of staffing is it's crazy. One of the other things I'm calling for is some transparency and a tracking system to report to the general public. I think it has been pointed out uh, that the amount of people that the city has is monitoring is fairly low compared to the infection rate. Uh, so we really need to have a reporting system that many other contact tracing systems have uh, to be able to instill confidence in our system here. Um, you know, I think that our health department, those folks that you're going to have on are doing an excellent job with the tools they have. But when asked for some basic, basic data for our uh, committee to deliberate over, for example, just the number of people in quarantine, number of positive cases that have been successfully traced, we, you know, we're, it was indicated to us that we needed about four weeks to get those basic uh, facts back to the committee. Um, and that's just really showing that the system is overtaxed uh, and we don't have the manpower that we need to robustly contact trace. You mentioned this issue of the city is maybe not monitoring as many people as the numbers suggest that they should be monitoring. I know this is something the Post-Dispatch has reported on, but for those who aren't up to speed with that, um, help us understand what, what is going on with that? How does somebody end up being monitored? Well, when you're diagnosed with COVID-19, you know, you go in and you have to uh, talk, you talk, contact tracing is about talking to that individual about those folks with whom they've been in contact. And if you've been diagnosed, if you've contracted COVID-19, you've clearly had contact with at least one person. Uh, So in order to to uh, get the disease. So <laughs> Fair you, know, point. You, have to, <laughs> you have to go back and for each person that's diagnosed, go through their contacts over the last two weeks because this, this uh, disease can lay dormant for some time without any symptoms and you can be transmitting it. And so it's important to, uh, you know, you have to take a look at these numbers and say, well, for each person that's diagnosed, going back two weeks, every person they've been in contact with, you need to trace those close contacts and make sure that if those contacts have been close enough, you're monitoring and you're quarantining when necessary to really stem the spread of this disease throughout our community. Okay, so this is something where uh, the number of people being monitored should be much higher than the number of people diagnosed with this if, if we're actually doing this right. That's absolutely right. And and last month we saw those numbers dip, you know, below 50. And, you know, you, you look at the infection rate and the transmission rate of, you know, 
20 to 30 per day. And you have to wonder how those are related to one another. Um, and it is worrisome. Now, you know, this is not anywhere near an accusation on, on the performance of the health department. I do, you know, think that we have a good folks at the helm here. But the question is, do we have adequate staff to back them up and make sure that we are able to trace every single contact all the way down through the line? So I think, uh, sorry, go ahead. And without without those tracking mechanisms and the reporting mechanisms that many other tracing programs uh, make available to the public, it's really hard to get to the bottom of that, especially when you see that discrepancy that was reported in the post-dispatch, as you pointed out. Hmm. So I think a big concern going forward is just that St. Louis never has enough money to do everything that it ought to be doing at any one time. Um, how big of a priority do you think this needs to be in the grand scheme of things with all the other needs in the city? I think this has got to be at the very top of the list. Look, if we are going to reopen our economy, and let's be clear, keeping it shut down um, has economic implications that are felt most by those least able to bear it. I mean, something around, you know, 40 to 50 percent of those of households earning under $40,000 per year that were employed in February lost their jobs in March. Mm-hmm. This is this is devastating to 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 every every everybody um so we've got to consider reopening the economy but if we're going to be able to do that safely we have got to do get the two most important things testing and tracing robust solutions in place we just have to um i would argue that testing and tracing are two of the most important things that we can do to protect our community's health and our uh, ability to reopen the economy and while you're right we did not get the same level of funding that St. Louis County did and many other large cities. We still have $65 million, and I would argue that these two components are the most important to be focused on at this time. So you say that you think this is the most important at this point. Do you think there's consensus on that um, within the Board of Aldermen? Well, I think there's consensus in the national media and in the national rhetoric. Um, you know, you see cities across the country taking this on. Whether my colleagues will agree or not, um, you know, this is clearly something the business community has gotten behind. Um, this is clearly something that the public wants to see. And as we, uh, you know, reopen and start to prepare for what I think is largely, you know, people are expecting to see those infection rates go up this fall, we have got to be prepared. We've got to be prepared. And so I, I just come back to the national experts on this issue and what they're saying we need to be doing is testing and tracing. Well, Alderwoman Kara Spencer, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Sarah, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to talk about this. Um, it is really a very important issue, and, and I look forward to, um, to continuing the dialogue. We do need to take a quick break. We're going to be back shortly to continue this conversation, only this time we'll be talking to two guests from the administration of Mayor Lida Krusen. That is Dr. Fred Eccles, who's the acting health director for the city, and the woman who's actually in charge of the contact tracing program. So if you have a question or comment for them, uh, you can give us a call. We're at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air, and we will try to get that addressed with them. This is St. Louis on the air on St. St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.
Welcome back. Before the break, we heard from St. Louis Alderwoman Kara Spencer. She chairs the city's Health and Human Services Committee, and she's been calling for a more aggressive contact tracing program in the city for a few weeks now. And we also wanted to hear directly from the city about what's actually going on on the ground. And so my next two guests are the city's top people when it comes to contact tracing. Dr. Fred Eccles is the acting director of the St. Louis Department of Health. Dr. Eccles, welcome. Thank you. And Franda Thomas is the Communicable Disease Bureau Chief for the St. Louis Department of Health. Franda, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. So, Dr. Eccles, uh, Mayor Cruzen announced last week uh, plans that she wants to hire 24 more contact tracers. How big a priority is that for your department at this point? Um, that is, that's a big priority. So although, you know, at this point in time we're able to manage um, the number of cases that are being reported to the city of St. Louis, we are um, preparing for the fall um, um, because we expect that there will be um, uh, an increase or spike in um, COVID-19 cases uh, along with other respiratory illnesses that uh, tend to peak during the fall and winter months. Well, in addition to the change in weather, um, there have been several very large gatherings in the last two weeks. These gatherings have had very different emphases. There's been uh, Memorial Day parties in the Lake of the Ozarks. And then this past weekend, uh, these protests that brought so many people out to St. Louis and Clayton and Ferguson. Are you worried we're going to see a big jump in cases before you can even get approval to get these 25 people hired? Um, there's potential for that. One of the things that we have seen uh, in some instances is that individuals that are participating um, in the protests, uh, some of which are wearing um, face coverings, which helps prevent or slow the spread of um, COVID-19 in the community, um, as well as uh, individuals attempting to socially distance themselves or physically distance themselves from one another. And so um, as individuals participate in these activities, we continue to um, encourage them to do be, to be safe um, because COVID-19 is in our environment. Um, and so we want to make sure that they are um, doing their best to adhere to um, the preventive measures that we talk about um, every day. So, Franda, um, this is your job to deal with all this. And as, as Alderwoman Spencer referred to earlier, and as there's been some coverage in the national media, this is not at all an easy job to do. How long does it take to get a new hire um, up to speed and ready to go out and start tracing contacts? Yeah, so I think I kind of first want to make a couple of uh, distinctions. So there's a couple of things that weren't uh, uh, quite explained uh, in the way that uh, should be understood. So sure, I'd welcome that. Yeah, so it was two separate things. So um, first, it should also be noted that the um, contact tracing or disease investigation position is actually open, and it has is not only approved, but it's open is on the city's website. So anybody who's interested can apply now. So that's the first thing. And then secondly, um, so the position is called a public health program rep. And then of public health program rep, there are disease investigators. And then specifically, uh, administration has identified um, positions that will be as what you guys call contact tracers. So mm -hmm. to have a contact tracer, so that means that that person's specific duty is to only do contact tracing. That doesn't take months and months um, to get started because that's a very specific task, right, that's only strictly doing contact tracing. Now, a full-fledged disease investigator, that is someone who can do, um, that is someone who investigates all communicable diseases that are reported um, in the state. That's a very, that's that's different. That okay. is the one that I was referring to when I say that it can take up to two months to get them fully trained. And then also just knowing that some diseases you see in more times than others. So 
Um, it's a lot of uh, ongoing training, but that disease investigator position, that's 100% a disease investigator, whether it's COVID-19 or anything, that's the position I was referring to that can take up to two months. Now, if you're specifically talking about someone who's going to be hired strictly for contact tracing, that, of course, is a shorter time period to get trained. And, and what kind of time period uh, are you talking for somebody who's just doing what we laymen would call contact tracing? If you're only doing specifically contact tracing, that probably can be done in up and going uh, with a shadowed uh, investigator probably in a week. Um, because, of course, as uh, Alderman Spencer mentioned before, there are some HIPAA guidelines and, re- uh, and regulations that you need to be aware of. But contact tracing itself, just that very specific task, that can be a person can be trained to do contact tracing within a week or so. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, that's, a, that's one piece of good news this morning. Um, Dr. Eccles, I know the other piece of good news is that Friday, uh, the mayor did announce all these plans she has to spend these funds. Now, we heard from Older woman Spencer, she's worried that 25 people is not enough. What are your thoughts? How many people do you think we need working on this in the city of St. Louis? Uh, so it's interesting. So I think as for people looking on the outside that aren't directly doing the work, um, it can look like, you know, we're understaffed and so forth. Um, but one of the things that um, I made sure of early on, you know, when uh, COVID-19 was first detected in uh, Wuhan uh, province in China, is that I knew it was the city of St. Louis was going to be impacted at some point. And so at that point, um, I started planning. And so um, the city of St. Louis Department of Health, we were very proactive in making sure that the resources were in place. Uh, we made sure that our staff within the agency had been cross-trained to provide us additional surge capacity in the event that um, that was a huge, a large surge of, uh, of cases. And we also needed to leverage um, other resources to make sure that we could um, uh, do the monitoring that's a part of contact tracing. So um, as a uh, friend uh, mentioned, so contact tracing, so you identify, when one case is reported, uh, you, you um, identify all their close contacts and then you have to enroll them into um, uh, we'll call our self-quarantine uh, program, which is a program where they're monitored for 14 days from the last date of potential exposure. During those 14 days, um, we're required to um, obtain information on their uh, temperature as well as any other symptoms that they may develop, and we do that um, twice a day, so once in the morning and then again at the evening. And that's really the biggest chunk of time that's spent for contact tracing. And so for us, you know, we need, we know that we, the health department was um, already uh, understaffed, and so we had to leverage technology to actually make um, uh, our process efficient and effective. And so that's exactly what we did. So we worked with using a program called Qualtrics, and we're able to provide um, electronic notifications to individuals uh, in the morning and in the evening, and they um, they provide their temperature as well as any symptoms um, that they may have uh, to the health department. Um, if uh, anything is alarming, um, we will reach out to the individuals as well as um, they'll get an alert uh, notifying them to um, contact their medical provider so that they can they can receive uh, medical treatment if necessary sooner rather than later. Um, you, we, we, Dr. We, Eccles, just to, to cut in here, um, you did hear Kara, um, Alderwoman Kara Spencer saying she feels that not enough people are being actively monitored in light of how many cases that are out there, um, suggesting those numbers just don't add up. Well, I would love to have you respond to that. Absolutely. So one thing, though, because, you know, we're a small health department, so when I started um, in, at this agency, there were 
roughly 85 to 87 people, and that's down from at one point the health department had uh, upwards of 450 people. And so um, we also realized the importance of working with our partners, and so we've been able to leverage um, our partnerships, you know, whether it's the hospital systems, long-term care facilities, to make sure that individuals within those facilities are being properly monitored. And a good example of that would be with um, uh, the hospital system. So um, uh, through an agreement that we made with the hospital systems, any staff um, that um, test positive um, or anyone that needs to be monitoring, that monitoring is uh, conducted by their occupational health um, uh, uh, program. And that's important because they're able to keep a closer tab than the health department would be um, uh, able to keep on those individuals. And that information is shared with the health department on a regular basis. And so, so those um, are not part of the numbers of people you're actively monitoring because you've almost found a way to outsource some of those um, people. Exactly. And so, uh, and, and, um, and so being able to have, having good relationships with our um, health partners has really put us in a good place. And most people don't understand that because that's not, I guess, common knowledge for most folks. Um, but we were really, really thoughtful about how we, uh, about our approach for addressing COVID-19 uh, to make sure we could do it in an efficient and effective way. And um, working with our partners really closely has allowed us to do that. So do you feel like in light of that and in light of these new people that uh, Mayor Krusen, uh has this funding for from the feds, do you think that's going to be enough if, if we get these 25 additional hires? Um, actually, I do. And, you know, one thing that we also have to be mindful of is, you know, at some point, the Centers for Disease Control and, and Prevention, they're going to ask us to pivot uh, away from doing um, in, intense contact tracing, and we're going to have to switch, and we'll switch to doing aggregate reporting, which, which is what we do for influenza. And so at the point when that happens, then you, have, um, you won't have a need for as many staff. But there are, uh, and so that's one of the reasons why we're using public health program representatives um, to uh, fill our um, contact tracing um, uh, uh, gaps for the city of St. Louis Department of Health, because um, that allows these individuals, you know, if 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 there isn't a need to do contact tracing, the community still needs to be educated on um, communicable diseases, and so they can actually pivot and help do um, more of the um, and work. Uh, more upstream to on the preventive prevention side um, in our community. We're talking to Dr. Fred Eccles. He's the acting director of the St. Louis Department of Health. And we're also joined here by Franda Thomas. She's the Communicable Disease Bureau Chief for the St. Louis Department of Health. I want to go to the phone lines. Um, Dan is calling from St. Louis. Um, Dan, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi, I just wanted to say that I agreed with uh, contact tracing. It's, it's very important. But I, I also think that it's being done mainly the right way, which is to start off small and to get a nutshell of people in there. Uh, obviously, you have a smaller staff, and if you, if you get a flood of people in there, who's going to monitor? Who, how, how are you going to know who's, who's confident and who isn't? It almost brings and, its own problems to hire too many, is what you're suggesting. Right, exactly. And if, if, you, if you start off, and, and you know, some of these people can turn out to be supervisory kind of people. Sometimes you're, you're, you're an alderman or you're in a managerial position. You think everybody has, has the ability to communicate with other people and everybody don't. Absolutely right. I think that's a good point. And, and uh, Dan, thank you for that. Uh, Dr. Eccles? Yeah. And one, one important point to talk about, you know, um, so when you t- talk about hiring, you know, a large number of people, we have to understand the situation that we're in as well. So we're still in COVID-19. 
And so when you're hiring additional, uh, a lot of staff, you bring all those staff on too swiftly, you may not be able to properly socially distance, you know, and God forbid, you know, one of the individuals is positive for COVID-19, but they're asymptomatic, and then they come into the workplace and expose your work staff, and then your work staff, uh, is, is, your workforce essentially um, uh, um, reduced significantly because of that. And so those are some of the things that we have to think through. And so we're very purposeful at the city of um, city of San, uh, very intentional about how our approach and our strategy to address any gaps that are identified because you know just bringing staff on that's not that's not our ways to answer so we need to need to have individuals that can communicate with individuals individuals that can uh, develop rapport um, with uh, people because you are asking for very sensitive information when you call them um, and you think about you know if, if when uh, a telemarketer calls you a lot of times you may not answer the phone or if you do <laughs> answer the phone you may hang up because you don't want to give them information so those are some of the challenges that we have to deal with uh, when doing not only on uh, disease investigation and contact tracing um, I think you, you both make some great points. And Dan, again, thank you for that question. We also got a comment from Dennis that he was happy to take uh, off the air or off the phone lines. I can't remember my terminology here. It's Monday. Um, Dennis says he thinks it needs to be emphasized that the health department wants information for public health and that it wouldn't be used as part of prosecuting a crime. Friend, I wanted to follow up with you. What kind of um, assertions do you make as far as privacy goes with people who are turning over this information to you? Yeah, that's important as well. But um, it's also important to understand that that can be some of the challenges because um, a, lot, a lot of times um, people don't really understand and realize there's a lot of stigma associated with communicable disease such as COVID. Um, so a lot of times people don't want to give um, information for several different reasons. Some people are actually afraid that um, their employer, that uh, they will not be able to return to work or mm-hmm. if they um, are able to go into quarantine, their job is protected. However, but they also feel like, okay, well, I may not be able to get paid. Um, So these are some very real situations that a lot of people find themselves in that make um, contact tracing somewhat um, have some barriers at times. Um, So that's why it's it's very important. But as with any kind of uh, communicable disease, um, uh, confidentiality is of utmost importance. um, And we don't uh, give out uh, people's personal information. Um, You know, for example, I can't call you and say, uh, Fred Eccles gave you COVID-19 and he listed you as a contact. You need to get tested, right? I, I would not be able to say that. Oh, okay. Um, you, you couldn't so, tell me. You could just say you've been exposed to somebody who exactly. might. Oh, okay. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah, you you have a fascinating job, I must say, Franda. Like, you're having some <laughs> fascinating conversations with people in some really fraught times. Um, I think we have time for just one more caller here. I want to go to Pat, who's calling from Herculaneum. Um, Pat, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you. Real quick, um, my understanding is that the St. Louis uh, area in Missouri has long had one of the highest rates of transmittable venereal diseases for decades, and part of that requires contact tracing. I am told we do such a poor job, I'm told, uh, with that type of contract contact tracing. And now we're talking about the COVID-19. It seems like we need a lot more to not only get it the uh, COVID-19, mm-hmm. but our horrible rates of uh, venereal disease. Yeah, I know syphilis has, has certainly been a problem in this city in the past. Uh, Pat, that's a great question. Dr. Eccles, do you want to speak to that? Absolutely. So I think one of the things that we'll look at um, uh, is the rate of disease. So uh, for the city, um, that rate is always high because the, the denominator is uh, lower for the city compared to some of the other um, cities. But um, sexually transmitted infections are 
um, a problem. Um, but similar to COVID-19, there's a lot of stigma associated with sexually transmitted infections. And so um, that that in, in itself has been a barrier to um, uh, getting inf- getting individuals to release information. Um, and so in part of that, is, as well as, you know, the health department or city government having you no know, trust being um, trust uh, from the community. And so there's a lot of work that has to be done to um, properly engage the community, educate the community on why we're conducting cer- uh, certain activities. Um, um, but so far, you know, for COVID-19, I think, you know, we've had a really good response. Most individuals um, have been responsive to our contact tracing efforts and been cooperative. Um, and a lot of that is due to the fact that we have been educating them uh, since the very beginning of uh, the situation to make sure um, that they understood they, that they'll understand why we're um, uh, uh, reaching out to them to get information. But uh, it's also important to know that since 2017, the city of St. Louis Department of Health has not um, conducted um, STI uh, surveillance, uh, STI um, investigation services, those services um, under the um, uh, guidance of uh, um, Melbourne Moore was transitioned to uh, the state. So the state, um, which is the Bar- Department of Health and Senior Services, actually conducts um, uh, case investigations and contact tracing for sexually transmitted infections uh, uh, in the city and the county. Okay. Well, that is that is great to know in response to that caller there. And uh, Dr. Fred Eccles, it's, it's great to hear that you feel good about the staffing here. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And Dr. Eccles, again, is the acting director of the St. Louis Department of Health. And I also want to thank Franda Thomas. Uh, Franda, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. And Franda, again, is the Communicable Disease Bureau Chief for the St. Louis Department of Health. We'll keep an eye on this story as it continues to play out. And before we leave today, we want to share your thoughts on the protest over the weekend. We asked you via Twitter at STL on Air to describe your feelings in three words. And here are some of the things you said. Tears of frustration. Hire better cops. Stop killing us. Frustrated, tired, disappointed. We can't breathe. Hold police accountable. Overwhelmed and frustrated. Black Lives Matter and our futures intertwine. Those are some of your thoughts in three words regarding the weekend's protests. If you missed the beginning of the show, we heard voices of protesters and talked to reporter Jason Rosenbaum, who was on the scene. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Fenske. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.